0: Welcome to Lakeland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Lakeland, please visit our website at lakeland.church. All right, all right. How's everyone doing? Good, good, good. It is uh, so good. This is going to be a great day, if it hasn't been great yet for you. It's just going to get better, okay? So I just, uh, I'm believing for it. It's going to be so sweet. Today we launch into a new series. I was telling my wife as we drove in today, I said, this is going to be such a great series. She goes, is it? <laughs> it's like, thanks for the confidence, hon. And I said, yes, it is. And she's like, well, faith is one of these kind of ambiguous Christian terms. It kind of gets thrown into like Christianese sometimes. And, and she's like, you know, it sometimes can get watered down. I, this is going to be like one of the greatest series ever. It's going to be so good. So I'm I'm really excited about uh, what we'll dive into here today. Um, And who knows? It's five weeks is how long it is right now in terms of the series. But I just might pick it up on the other side of some of the plans that I've got because i got a Christmas series. i got some other things in the spring. Um, But I might pick it up on the other side and just go another five on the other side of it because this is going to be so good. You excited yet now? Okay, good. Now, now you're like, ooh, now I'm really, I'm interested. Have, have you ever wondered uh, why is it that some people seem to have this, I don't know, it, maybe I would describe this, a greater measure of faith than someone else? Or maybe even in your own life, you've had these moments where, where you're like, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for this person, but I'm not expecting very much right now. Ever, anyone? Come on, let's just be honest. Anyone? Okay, a bunch of liars in the room. Great, Great. You're, you're in the right place. Okay, good. No, and then you've had these other moments where you're like, I'm, I'm going to pray for something, and you kind of have this thing kind of boiling within you. You're like, I just have, I don't know, I just believe it's going to happen. Like the Lord, I believe, is in this moment. Anyone experience that? Oh, okay, now, I'll, yeah, you're like, yes, that one's me. Yeah, I get it. Um, well, here's uh, here's the deal. I think every one of us, including myself, would love to know, hey, if there's a way that we can kind of turn up the temperature in our faith, what would I need to do to do that? Anyone? Me included. And so there are principles throughout Scripture that actually can raise our level of faith. Uh, check this out. This is why in that early video you saw the seed growing I, I took it from matthew chapter 17 verse 20 this kind of this is going to be our foundation verse of this series jesus says this truly i tell you if you have faith as small as a mustard seed you can say to this mountain move from here to there and it will move nothing will be impossible for you, now it's it's interesting because some might say, well, I don't think Jesus was being literal here, like moving mountains from one place to another. Well, and quite frankly, I'll just be honest, I can't see a whole lot of practical use of that. But uh, the, regardless, that's not the point. The point is, he's saying the reason why Jesus picks a mountain is because a mountain seems immovable, right? That's his point. His point is, I want you to be able to recognize that your faith has the ability to move that which seems immovable and then the thing that he does is he uses this illustration where he says if you have faith as small as a mustard seed now most of us aren't farmers and most of us aren't out there growing mustard plants but the mustard seed or a mustard tree is actually it's the smallest seed that they had back in that day and age at least the common seed that most people were aware of and so when he uses this illustration of a mustard seed everyone who's listening is like oh yeah 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 I've seen a mustard seed it is tiny and that's the point he's saying well seems so small and seems so simple, something your faith, even though small and simple, actually, if uh, learned learned how to harness it correctly, you're going to be able to move that which seems immovable. Anyone interested? Yeah. I am. And, and so, uh, I'm just excited about this series when we think about how is it that we can activate something that's so small and so simple and yet incredibly effective. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to a mountain, move, and it will move. So how do we grow that, that level of faith within us? What, do we, what can we do to activate that type of faith within us. And I I need to address anyone who's here who might say, I don't have faith. I'm like here just checking out church and I wouldn't uh, claim maybe even to be a Christian or to be a follower of God or anything like that, follower of Jesus. And and so to you, I would just invite you along on this journey to understand this, that if you ever enter into this journey of faith, there will be some principles that you're going to want to embrace quickly that can actually activate your faith in a more effective way, as well as there might be some things along the way that you're like, hey, I can start practicing these little attributes right now and it might actually propel you into faith. And so you're not off the hook. I want you to join us along in this journey. But I believe God would say to all of us here today, if you really knew what was in you, this thing called faith, even if it's small, you'd be surprised what you could do with it. If you really understood what's in you, you'd be surprised what you can do with it. And as he talks about faith the size of a tiny seed, I honestly believe this. Okay, so he uses the illustration of a seed. Seeds are meant to grow, right? Yes? Yes? You with me? Okay. Seeds are meant to grow. Uh, A mustard seed is meant to produce fruit. All seeds are meant to produce fruit. God is very much concerned about you and I producing fruit in our lives. And so when he says, hey, your faith is like a seed, I really believe faith is meant to produce fruit. Okay, you with me? Here's my concern. I think this is the sermon before the sermon, okay? I'm just setting the stage. Uh, my, my fear is that we have a whole lot of inactive seeds in the church. Meaning you already have faith. It's just not producing fruit. And here's why sometimes we don't produce fruit. It's simply because our faith is not active. It's not being planted. It's not producing that which is, it's meant to produce. Sometimes I look at James chapter 4, verse 2 and 3. This is what it says. You, you do not have because you do not ask God. And then when you do ask, Sometimes you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you might spend what you get on your pleasures. In the context, he actually has, lists a few things of reasons why you actually may not receive, meaning why, why faith may not produce fruit, okay? In the context, he addresses things like your motive matters. He, he says, listen, if, you're, if your purpose is revenge that it's probably not going to produce fruit. <laughs> if your purpose is your own selfish gain, it's probably not going to produce fruit. If it's and then he says if it's if you ask for your own that you that you just would have a ton that you can spend on on what you make and, and stuff, he's like then it may not produce what you're asking for. But if you ask with the right the his whole point is if you ask with the right motive, then ask away. And it will produce something. And a lot of times, you have not because you ask not. You do not have because you do not ask God. Now, picture it a little bit like this. So what are some ways that we can activate and become active seeds, if you will? So picture it like this. Uh, as I drive around, I'm often praying for businesses. That's just my, I kind of feel like that's my assignment while I'm on the road. I'm passing businesses, so I'm praying for businesses. Are you aware that's a very simplistic way to pray kind of through the lens of the kingdom of God over our Community. So you pass by a business and you just pray blessing over them, pray business deals come their way, pray for good employees, pray for uh, wisdom and wise decision-making in those businesses. Now well, you say, why would I do that? Well, think about it. There was an Old Testament prophet, I forget if it was Isaiah or Jeremiah, who said, listen, when you're when you're taken into exile, and he's talking to the Israelites who are being like transplanted from, from Jerusalem into under like the rule of the Babylonians, and he says, listen, pray for the prosperity of the nation to which you've been exiled to, for when they prosper, you prosper that's what he says and so to this godless nation that the children of israel are taken into he says i want you to pray actually for their prosperity because when they prosper you too prosper so then when you're passing by businesses why in the world would we pray for them because when they prosper we prosper right it's simple that's through a kingdom lens of going listen it is for the good of our entire community anyone wants them just our community to prosper See, that's a kingdom lens, actually, to look at it through that lens. And so when we pray that way, that, that that business would have prosperity and would have peace upon it and that they would make wise business decisions and that they would have good employees. That's through a kingdom lens that you're just praying for them. See, that's a simple way that you can activate your faith, kind of activate your seed, if you will. Uh, here's another way. Uh, you enter into your workplace. You can pray God's peace over your workplace. Like if you're a teacher, okay, let's imagine that we got, some, I'm sure we got some teachers in the room, maybe some teachers watching online. As you walk into your classroom, you can just do some something this simple. Say, God, I just declare your peace. I pray for your peace over my classroom. Now you might go, well, hold on, that's selfish gain. Yeah, sort of. Yes, your kids are not going to be... Bouncing off the wall. But think about this, okay? If the kids are peaceful, which I've got nine kids, so I get this. Sometimes they're just like, pop, 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 you know, all over the place. And then the other times you're just like, peace. And they just kind of like, ah everyone just kind of settles in right and so if your classroom if everyone just kind of settles in and they and there's peace over the classroom guess what they were they're now being kind to one another they're receiving what you're teaching to them guess what it's produced they get better grades so no longer are they bringing a bad home grade or bad grade home to mom and dad that causes tension that actually wears down on their social and emotional uh, kind of well-being of life as well as their relationship with ho- at home and all of a sudden that simple prayer is not just impacting yes this space it's impacting their grades. It's impacting home lives. You're kind of actually moving a mountain, right? Something as simple. Now, here's what happens. How many times did you enter into the classroom and never pray? I just never thought to. Exactly, right? Inactive seed. You just didn't think to be active and say, I'm going to bring my faith and make it active and look at it through the lens of the kingdom over the space right here, right now. Are you tracking with me? It's so simple of what you can do. So as you enter into a meeting, declare and pray for favor over that meeting. Uh, As you're approaching a project, ask for wisdom over that project. Uh, As you know someone who might need healing, pray for healing over that individual. So check this out. Last Sunday night, I I like football. Anyone else like football? I know, the Bears lost last week. Well, we're still recovering, but we got owned apparently. So I know, you guys all know what I'm talking about. Anyhow, so the uh, the Seahawks were playing the Steelers Sunday Night Football. In the middle, I'm gonna get the guy's name right. Daryl Taylor got injured. He had this kind of neck injury. It looked like a, a pretty severe neck injury. Took place somewhere uh, third quarter, fourth quarter, something like that, and it was so bad that they're ending up like bringing out the stretcher, and they're going to have to cart this guy off the field, and it ends up taking like 10 minutes. Both teams are all out on the field; they're surrounding this guy. Guys are taking knees. It's just like this kind of somber moment. You got Chris Hollingsworth and Mike Tirico are calling the game, and Chris Hollingsworth, you know, they're filling time and they're talking about injuries and different things like that. And Chris Hollingsworth, he makes this statement over and over and over again. He, he's going man, our, our, our hearts and our thoughts are going out to the families right now. And then Chris Collingsworth makes a statement. He goes, and if you're so inclined, and he pauses. And I know where he's going with this. It's kind of like, oh man, is this like politically correct? Is he going to say it? Is he allowed to say it? And then he just kind of says it. He goes, if you're a praying person, now's the time to pray. And I'm sitting there. Now, here's the deal. I've been watching this thing unfold for 10 minutes. Chris Collingsworth says, if you're a praying person, now's the time to pray. And as I'm listening, I'm sitting there going, hold on. I'm a praying person. (laughs) Right? But here's the deal. I'd watched for 10 minutes, and I hadn't prayed for this guy. Why? Why? because You just don't think to. I'm just going through life. I'm just watching. I just enter into the classroom. I just went through with my day once again. I just didn't think to. And I has to take the announcer to go, if you're a praying person, now's that time. And so in that moment, I go, All right, God, I just start praying for this guy that there would be no like, you know, serious injuries or anything. And from my knowledge, like midweek, they said he's doing fine. He'll probably even play this weekend. And so I'm like, It's one of those deals. It's not, I'm not saying it was me. I think there was tons of people praying. The point is how many people were just watching it unfold in Active Seeds. And it took a, a, an announcer to say, hey, if you're so inclined, now's the moment, folks. And if I were to say to the church, if you're so inclined to activate this, this thing called faith, now's the moment, Folks. And there's so many opportunities for us to do so. I just wonder how many of us are not seeing fruit because we're not asking. We have not because we ask not. See, this is going to be a great series. (laughs) I'm so pumped about it. All right, so that's like the message, pre-message. Okay. I'll, I'll do the second portion in like 15 minutes. So here's the question is, how can we start today? And maybe the starting place is just simply saying, God, I want to be an active seed. And I want to see fruit come from my faith. For this week, if I could just give you one element that grows faith and just kind of let the cat out of the bag, it's this. And we sang about it. We just focused all of our worship toward it. It's this thing called surrender. Surrender grows faith. Now, why do I say that? Because it's rooted in the very foundation of faith at the At the the start of it all, if you've given your life to Christ, if you call yourself a Christian, the very foundation of saying yes to Jesus is actually rooted in surrender. Check it out in Romans chapter 10 verse 9. A lot of times we go to this verse when we talk about surrendering your life to Christ or giving your life to, to Christ or following Christ. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So at the birth of this thing called salvation, where we become saved, is a transaction where, yes, it's a declaration with our mouth, a belief in our heart, but over what? That he is this, Lord. Now, I've talked about this many times. It's not that he is God. It's not that he is good. It's not that he is teacher. It's not that he is prophet. It's not that he uh, that He set a good model. It's that he is Lord. Lordship declares surrender. because Lord is all about you Rule over me, right? My ways are not the thing that's calling the shots any longer. Your ways are calling the shots. It's not my will, it's your will. I've surrendered me being in charge, and I've made him Lord of my life, right? So that's the, bit, the, the very root of faith, is, this, is the foundation of this thing, is, is surrender. Jesus actually emphasizes the following of him, uh, in a very fascinating kind of twist in words in Luke chapter 9, verse 23. We've, you've probably heard this before, but it so captures the same heartbeat. Luke 9, 23, it says this Then he said to them, to them all, all these disciples who are following him, Whoever wants to be my disciple, and he had a whole bunch of people who were like, I want to be your disciple, which is someone who's following him. Then he says this, He must deny themselves, take up their cross daily. And follow me. Now, a lot of times when Jesus called some of those early disciples, he literally just said, come follow me. Come follow me. Come follow me. And we love that, right? We love the idea of like, yeah, can I just follow Jesus? Yeah. But this, I think, is actually the more holistic picture of what faith looks like in following. It's not just follow him. It's take up your cross daily and follow me. Oh, that doesn't sound as much fun, right? Like following him, that sounded great. I'm all on board. Anyone else? Yes. But then all of a sudden he goes, no, it's, it's deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow me. Now in that day and age, when he says take up your cross daily, that's, that's an image that people would have actually had in their minds of people, of, of those convicts who were, had it received the death sentence, they would literally carry their own cross to their own death. So if you saw someone dragging a cross behind them, It was like dead man walking. And, you know, we have crosses on necklaces and earrings and things like that all over. We got a cross over here and we think of it and we're like, oh yeah, it just reminds us of what Jesus did for us. But we forget that it's like this gruesome, cruel, horrible place of punishment. It was what it was for those for these convicts. And the beauty of what Jesus did for us is he died a criminal's death, although he was completely innocent. And, and what did he die for? Well, he died for yours and my sin. He took all of our wrongdoing upon himself, all that we deserved, all our punishment. And he who, who knew no sin, who deserved no punishment, said, I'll take all the punishment of all of humanity upon myself, and in exchange, I'll give them my righteousness, my pure and right standing with my relation with God, that's what all, I mean, it's just a crazy exchange. And so when he says, go and carry your cross, he's not saying, hey, you're going to go and die, but he is saying, you and your own will, your own ways, you being in control, that's what's supposed to die. Amen. You're, and you're supposed to willingly do it, where you willingly say, I surrender, I give up control of my will and my ways, and my, uh, and my dreams, and all that, and I say, To death with it. You know, when you effectively surrender everything and you effectively give it all up to him, what you'll discover is um, the world can't take anything from you because you already gave it all up. The world can't take what you've already willingly surrendered to the Lord. Because I've surrendered it to him. If I could just land on two verses today to kind of enforce this concept of faith, um, growing through surrender. I I just want to go to, it's actually a well-known proverb. You've probably heard it before, but Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, and we're just going to walk this thing through. It says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. Let's just kind of walk this thing through one phrase at a time. Starts with this, trust in the Lord. With all your heart. Now, the the word that gets translated here as trust to trust in the Lord. It's this: it's to have confidence have confidence in, to be secure in, to feel uh, safe in. And I love this last kind of uh, definition or translation. It's even to feel a little careless. It can feel careless or reckless. And I think that's actually pretty accurate. Is that sometimes when you trust the Lord, you might feel a little reckless, and you might feel a little careless trusting him at least in pers- in perspective of the world as they as they look at you um like i even think about our own journey you know for us having nine kids that sounds crazy i agree um it never was our plan but as we and you've probably heard me talk about this many times it that's was a faith journey is actually what it was it's entirely a faith deal uh it was god and i'll just flat out say it is god told us nine kids and listen, when you're at number six, that feels like a big mountain to overcome. You're like, God, I think I'm mishearing you. you know. Like, and when my wife's pregnant, she's like, Josh, you're definitely mishearing God in that moment. You know, it's like, that's how you feel. And, and actually, when we would tell people, we're like, we're pregnant again. I mean, it was hard not to let that come out of our mouths and feel reckless, right? It feels reckless. It feels careless. It feels, careless, it feels like you definitely are not hearing God right. You definitely got it wrong. And I'm telling you, we got it right. Man, look at my kids. They're like, I love them all. They're so good. They're not perfect. And I'm not a perfect parent. I just know they're all a gift from the Lord to me and my wife. So you're going to feel, as you trust in the Lord, you're probably going to feel a little reckless at times. And then what are we supposed to trust him with? And recklessly Follow him with. Well, with all your heart. That's this kind of like everything that matters most to you, I'm going to surrender to him. It's this, it's this all-in statement. I, I love all the all-in statements. Hey, with all your heart, what's, in, what's all? It's all of it. It's everything that matters to you that you surrender to him. It's all in its fully surrendered aspect of living. And then this next phrase in here says this, and lean not on your own understanding. Okay, so at some point you're going to have to forego being able to have every one of your questions answered in this journey called faith. Like at some point. Now, I'm not opposed to having legitimate questions have legitimate answers. I actually, I'm for that. I think you should. If you're like, hey, why would I believe? Uh, God's word uh, is worth following? That's a legitimate question, and there is a legitimate answer for that. You might say, hey, why in the world would I ever believe that Jesus died on a cross and actually rose out of the grave? That is a legitimate question, and there's a very legitimate answer that I believe if you go and you look at it, in fact, I have preached on it. I've answered that question very thoroughly as to why historically and biblically and all that, why? And it's like the most thorough answer that will make it so that I believe it's almost impossible to view any other than what Jesus did and what he said and what happened to him. They died. They was literally dead. They literally rose from the grave. Like, I think there's a legitimate answer to that. I've given that before. And so it's like, it, those are legitimate questions, legitimate answers. But here's the deal. If you're sitting there going, listen, I'll never follow God until I get every question I have answered, you will probably never follow God. At some point, you will have to lean not on your own understanding, there's something to the divine and to the supernatural that you will not be able to wrap your head around, and that's actually the point. Scripture talks about, the, the, all throughout Scripture, about how God is incomprehensible, meaning there are aspects of God that he, that he reveals to us so that we can see him, so that we can understand him and we can know him, but you will never be able to get all of him. And that's actually the beauty, because if you could wrap your head around all of him, then you would be God and we should worship you and not him. But he is the one who is incomprehensible. He's bigger than you. You can never box him in. There will always be something more for us to discover about the grandeur and the grandness of who he is. And at some point, if you really want to embrace this thing called faith, you're going to actually have to take a leap of it and not be able to lean on everything that you can wrap your head around. And I know for some of you who are really pragmatic and you've got, and you love to get everything in order and you love to study and get all the answers, that sometimes is really tough. I I recognize that, but that's part of this thing called faith is that I sometimes recklessly go all in with the Lord with everything in my heart. I lean not on my own understanding. And then in this next phrase, it says this in all your ways, submit to him. So now this word that gets translated as submit literally can be surrender. This is why I really believe that this whole thing called faith, trusting him and submission and surrender are connected together. That we trust him with all our heart. We lean not on what we can understand. And in every way in our life, we submit, we surrender to him. So this is one of the most simplistic prayers. I pray it almost every single day. I encourage you to steal it. It's one of the keys of what, I'm, uh, of what we're talking about today. It's the simple prayer of surrender. As I pray this way, God, I surrender, and then I fill in the blank. And I go through tons of things every single day. I go, God, I surrender my wife to you. God, I surrender my children to you. And I go through, usually in name, every one of my children. God, I surrender my finances to you. God, I surrender my gifts to you. God, I surrender my church to you. God, I surrender my my gifts to you, my skills to you, my message to you. I mean, I can just go down the list. And you just kind of go one by one. I surrender all these things to you. And in doing so, there's, there's some fascinating things that happen as you just go through the process of surrender. First off, as I surrender things to him, I'm actually setting them up to produce their greatest kingdom potential. That's the first thing that's most important that happens in the act of surrender. Because here's the deal. Let's just take finances, for for example. If I say, God, I surrender my finances to you. You wanna know what I just did? I just released those things to produce the greatest kingdom fruit possible. See, as long as I have control over any aspect of my life, I actually restrain it from experiencing the fullness of God's kingdom upon that thing. Are you getting this? So huge. As long as you have control over it, you are restraining what God wants to actually produce in it. And so when you surrender it, you actually open it up. Now, I'm not saying that when I surrender my finances to him, that now I'm set up to be the wealthiest. I didn't say that. I said my resources can produce the greatest fruit. That's what I'm setting it up to be able to produce. More fruit than I can produce with my own control over that. Um, and, And how often do we have to do this, folks? Daily, right? Because back to this verse, let's look at Luke chapter 9 one more time. Then he said to them, Who- Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross. How often? Daily. daily. This is a daily process because I don't know if you're like me, but uh, anyone ever do this? God, I surrender it to you. And tomorrow you're like, Ah, I'm grabbing, grabbing control of that thing. You ever do that? Come on, we do this all the time. I was walking through the corn maze yesterday with my kids. I was like, Guys, you guys guide me through. And uh, and then they get turned upside down. They're like taking the wrong turn. I'm like, left, guys, left instead of right. You know, it's like, uh, I've, I've, no, you guys guide me. You guide me you guide me, I'll be in control. You know? Anyone do this? Come on now. We do. Like, God, you got it all, and then I'm going to take back control tomorrow. And so we have to daily, God, I surrender this to you. Daily, I surrender this to you. Here's another aspect of it that I find is true. The more I surrender, the more I find myself um, praying for things, or praying in directions over things that just pop into my head that didn't seem to be my agenda at all. Let me just give you a for instance. Let's say uh, I'm praying for one of my kids. Uh, I'll take a kid who's out of state so no one feels picked on here, okay? Uh, so, like my daughter Haley, she's over in California. Let's say I'm praying for Haley. And as I'm praying for Haley, all of a sudden I feel like the Lord wants me to pray in a very specific direction over her and for her. Like all of a sudden, an an idea pops in my head. Didn't seem to be my idea, just popped in my head. Now, where did it come from? Here's what I find. Once again, because it starts with this place of surrender. I surrender her to you. When it begins right there... I'm setting myself up to now say, okay, God, I want your agenda. I want your plans. I want your purposes over her life. And as I'm, as my life is in alignment with his agenda, now all of a sudden I start to get kind of his agenda. I, all of a sudden I'll get a thought in my head of how I'm supposed to pray for her. And it seems like it just came out of nowhere. And it didn't come out of nowhere. It just came out of nowhere from here. It came out of his kingdom it came from him to pray over her and i would say what is happening is there's this alignment between heaven and earth over her and now i'm just declaring what i sense the lord is wanting me to pray over her it's it's when in matthew chapter 16 this is what uh, a surrendered prayer is always The goal is to lead us to this. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 19, check this out. He says this to his disciples here on earth. He goes, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Okay, so this is what is happening in heaven we're supposed to have access to here and now. How do we align our hearts with that? Well, surrender will get you there, okay? And then he says this, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Best translation of this is is literally this. Whatever you bind on earth is already bound in heaven. Whatever you loose in earth is already loosed in heaven. So now what do you bind and what do you loose? Well, you bind darkness and you hold that back, right? You bind darkness, you bind sin, you bind evil. That's part of our responsibility on behalf of God is to bind back the works of the devil in this world. then you loose what do you lose? Well, you lose kingdom realities, you lose. Re- you loose peace over place you release re- you release oh Lord, release and loose they're meshing together, okay you release it you you loose his peace, you loose his healing. You lose his prosperity. You lose his, his wisdom. You lose his grace. You lose those things over locations. And whatever you lose here has already been loosed there. Now why, how do I know what I'm supposed to bind and what I'm supposed to lose? Well, surrender will get you there. As I, as I pray a heart, a, a surrendered heart, I find that I will pray What I believe leads me into a lifestyle like Christ, where Christ says, I only do the things I see my father doing. I only pray and say the things I hear my father saying. The only reason why he could do that, because it was entirely in alignment with the father, is a life completely surrendered and in submission to the father. Are, Are you tracking with me? And so then... So then when I start to pray these things, I feel like are the heart of the Father. I start praying them with greater authority because I, I feel like it didn't come from me. It came from him anyhow. I just got to end. Okay, last, last. <laughs> this, this is so good. I just could live in this forever. Okay, but we won't. Okay, and then it says this, and he will make your paths straight. This, is, this translation could be you direct your paths or lead uh, lead you straight along. I think lead you straight along is probably one of the best translations. He will lead you straight along. So picture it a little bit like this. Um, when about a year ago, like a year ago and actually two days ago, uh, I, was, I took a bunch of my kids caving and some of you heard me talk about this. This is like the complete opposite of Darla's story at the beginning, okay? Darla's like this beautiful mountaintop, magical. So this is like in a whole... Everything's brown and muddy, okay? So that's what we do, and we go caving underground, and we're like crawling around for, it's like miles underground. And you gotta know the cave that I took my kids into, it's one I hadn't been in in about 20 years, but there's just like hundreds of little nooks and crevices everywhere. And some of these like will go back 20 feet, some will go back 100 feet, some will go a quarter mile to a dead end. And you just like, you gotta kind of know your way through. And it'd been 20 years since I had known my way through. So I took my kids through this thing, and, uh, and there's like a big underground loop that you can do. And there were multiple times that I, I felt like I, I told my kids, I was like, so you stay here. I'm going to go explore ahead and make sure we're on the right path right now. And just we're going in the right direction. And at one point, I had actually, I'd gone down like this cliff and I was, it's underground, but underground and then I'd gone down these tiny holes and I was about five, ten minutes, ten minutes, into this thing, going through tiny holes. I actually had three flashlights with me. I started leaving them in holes because I was like, I'll never find my way back to my kids if I don't leave a little flashlight here in this tiny little hole that I came through. I'll never find my way back. And so I started leaving things. And then I realized I'm like, I'm down to my last flashlight. And I'm like, and I wasn't sure I was on the right path. So I said, God, I just need some direction right now. And I felt it was so awesome. I felt like God's presence just landed right there in the cave. And the peace that surpasses understanding, that guards your heart and mind, and Christ Jesus was there. And then I felt like all of a sudden, it was just so sweet. I felt like I was no longer exploring, but he was guiding. Now, there were still tons of little crevices I could go into, but it was like like there was only one crevice that I was supposed to go through. It was like he led me straight along. And I think that's what life will look like, is that it's not that all the options are gone, it's just that it will appear like they all, all those options are taken away from you as he leads you straight along. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, in all your ways we surrender it to him, and he will make your path straight. He will guide you straight along. It's not that there won't be a hundred options for you to walk on, it's just that you're not going to want to take any of them because one is gonna be the one that you're supposed to be on. It will be clear where he's taking you. And so uh, if I could encourage you in any way, it's just add the simple prayer to your morning. God, I surrender and watch your faith start to rise. Why don't you guys stand here with me? We're gonna close here in prayer. And, um, and as we close in prayer, I'm just gonna give you a, a, a minute right now, actually, of just kind of quiet for you to surrender things to the Lord. And um, and you can just start kind of going through your own list in your head of things you wanna to surrender to the Lord. And then I'm just gonna say amen in about a minute and, and then we'll be done, okay? So take about a minute to just start this process of surrender. God, we trust, maybe even seemingly recklessly, you with all our hearts. We lean not on our own understanding. We surrender all to you. We trust that you will make our paths straight. In Jesus' name, amen. We can pray for you in any way. We've got prayer partners right back here. We'd love to pray for you. Prayer partners online. If you want to be able to give, make sure to give. There are ways in the back as well as online. Grab Operation Christmas Child boxes as you leave and be blessed. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. If you'd like to partner with Lakeland in helping people follow Jesus, be changed by Jesus, and commit their lives to the mission of Jesus, you can contribute to the mission by visiting slash Give.